With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Ian. Well, as we enter Chiefs Week, I guess we've already entered Chiefs Week, but... uh, this is a, a Chiefs week where we have not experienced a Chiefs week that the Broncos have come through with a win in five years. It's been five years since the Denver Broncos have beat the Chiefs on that fateful day where Bradley Roby returned a fumble recovery off of a Jamal Charles fumble for a touchdown that sealed the win. Every other Chiefs game since has been the same. It has been a loss for our Denver Broncos and, uh, just nothing seems to change, and quite frankly, I'm not seeing a lot of change on the horizon. It's just, it bears repeating. It has been five years. And if you just did the Ferris Bueller five times, five years, yes, it's been five years since the Broncos beat the Chiefs. And I'm with you. I don't I don't see it changing on Sunday. What I will say from a betting perspective for those who have bet on the Broncos or partake in sports betting in Colorado since it's illegal, the Broncos are four and one against the spread this year. Not that that means anything for the record wise, but if you keep if you look at the teams that they have lost to, so it's Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. Those are three very good teams. Very Two good of them team, are yep. still undefeated. Both the Titans and the Steelers are 5-0. and oh. And if not for, I don't want to call it a collapse 
at the end of the game against the Titans, but the no, Broncos were works. right there. Yeah, they, they were, but I would say collapse works in that one. Yeah, I'm with you. They were right there to beat the Titans. I So, yes, they're, what, two and three at this point in the season, and they're big underdogs against the Chiefs. I think the last I saw was between eight and nine or nine and a half. So I think there's potential for them to cover again. I just don't think they're going to be able to get the win. Yeah, I, I mean, and obviously we'll get into score predictions later and we'll, and we'll definitely talk about that. I, I think that the the issue that you're going to run into here, and, and it's it's a fair sort of way to look at things. The Kansas City Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champions for a reason, right? They, they are one of the best teams in the NFL right now, even though they're not one of the undefeated teams, right? They've experienced, they've experienced losing, so we know it can happen. But the other thing that you, you have to really realize here is this is a team that, for whatever reason, and, and it, it started five years ago, but for whatever reason, the Denver Broncos are a little bit, they're snake-bitten. And part of that reason is Patrick Mahomes, right? And it is the offense that you see on the field with Andy Reid and, and what they're doing. So you you understand that you're already starting really from behind just in that respect, right? They are clearly the best offense in the NFL or one of, if not the best offense in the NFL. They have a very good defense. I mean, they're, they're a very good football team. I don't enjoy saying any of this. It, it hurts to say it, but it's the truth. So when you're already starting from from behind the eight ball on that standpoint, and it feels like there's a little bit of that, this is this is the type of team that you have to get by to really sort of become or, or take that next step. And we've talked about this during the offseason, what the Chiefs are to the Denver Broncos right now. And what the Chiefs are to the Denver Broncos right now is that step, right? It's that, it's that uh, next step. Step, But really, I think you could also make the argument that the Chiefs are not the next step for the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are still far enough away from competing with teams like the Kansas City Chiefs that the next step isn't beating the Chiefs. While it would be nice, and while it's something that I think eventually has to happen just based on numbers, there's I think there's a middle step in there somewhere. I think that there is a place where you know you've got Drew Locke and you've got this young core of of offensive players that still needs to gel and whatnot for whatever reason to me while I know that Kansas City is the next step in taking over the AFC West there's there's something else that has to happen in between the Denver Broncos where they are now and where they can be after you know when they can compete with the AFC West champ Super Bowl champ Kansas City Chiefs I, I don't know what that step is and I also am fairly certain they're not going to take that step in the course of the next couple of days. In terms of the Chiefs being a very good team, there are areas where the Broncos can take advantage of where the Chiefs aren't that great. And one of them is running the football offensively. Even though the Chiefs just held the Bills to 84 yards rushing in the first game of the Monday doubleheader, They're not good stopping the run. They're still 30th in the NFL, allowing 145.3 yards per game. We saw what Denver can do running the football with Phillip Lindsay. He rushed for 101 yards of the 135 the Broncos rushed for against the Patriots. They need to do that again 
on Sunday. They need to control the line of scrimmage. On the flip side of that, this is mind-boggling to me because of who coaches the Kansas City Chiefs and who is basically their offensive coordinator, Andy Reid. In that same Bills game that the Chiefs won 26-17, to the Chiefs rushed for 245 yards. That's a lot. I don't, I don't know of a time that Andy Reid has ever done that before because he hates running the football. Like, he legitimately hates running the football. But even in that situation, he even he knew that, well, you're not going to stop me. So it's like having a tray full of steaks. He's not going to pass it up. <laughs> As it goes by, he's going to snatch it away. I mean, that's just the way he is. Yeah, that, that number, that 245, that's a big, that's a big number. That's uh, a lot for an Andy Reid offense. His – his style doesn't really lend to that many rushing yards. But I think the point you're starting to get at there, if I'm not mistaken, is the fact that the Denver Broncos have been good at stopping the run this year, right? That that up front, uh, you know, your Shelby Harrison, Mike Purcells of the world, those guys have been very good at preventing other teams from taking over games with the running attack. So, yeah, I, I can see that there are some opportunities there for the Broncos to take advantage of a few different things that maybe they do better than the Kansas City Chiefs or uh, that the Chiefs don't do as well as they do other things. I I think the big issue, though, becomes can they stop the Chiefs from doing the things that they do really, really, really well? And and that is going to be where this game sort of hinges on. Can the Denver Broncos mitigate what Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to do? Can they slow down a Tyreek Hill? Can they stop a Travis Kelsey? Can they, you know, I mean, it's just, it just keeps building and building there. And eventually you go, I don't have, I don't have any more weapons here. I don't have any more. Uh, de- I can't defend all of this. And that's, that's the big concern here heading into the game against the Kansas city chiefs. You stop one thing and they've got 15 other things. It feels like that they can do that are just going to make things worse for you. And, and again, not, not, not high on the competence level right now. If you can, if you can tell, and I'm sorry, because I know that that's not what people want to hear when they tune in to listen to the podcast. One way that, that, that the Broncos can mitigate what the chiefs do offensively and what they want to do is running the football, control the time of possession, keep Patrick Mahomes and that offense off the field. The other way to do that is to make them one-dimensional. And yes, that one dimension is very freaking good. But you're going to give yourself a better chance at success if Edwards Alaire can't run the football. If the Chiefs can't run the football, you increase at least the chance that you can have success if they're one-dimensional. Because the way Vic Fangio has been blitzing the last couple of weeks, that's where they can have an impact. Bradley Chubb has been phenomenal the last three weeks. He has been phenomenal, and we can end this talk of him being a bust. Malik Reed has been phenomenal the last couple of weeks. Shelby Harris has been incredible. If they can get that kind of interior and exterior pass rush, and then if they can send the missile Kareem Jackson and pop Patrick Mahomes a few times, 
that's where you can see at least some chance for success. The other, and we'll get into our keys to the game. I don't want to give it away. Obviously, I will give it away now. But here you go, right? <laughs> they have to score touchdowns. You cannot kick six field goals again against the Chiefs and expect to win a game. You're going to have to convert two to three of those, four of those drives into touchdowns. If they're, I, I, I really, I, I, we said on the post game podcast. I really liked the way the offense was able to move the ball against the Patriots. It was efficient. It was effective. Now finish those drives off with touchdowns. And there's one way that could help with that, and that's the return of Noah Fant. Yeah. So hopefully he's able to go on Sunday. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it's hard to get into what's going to happen with Noah Fant and AJ Boye and and, and things like that because we're, we're a little early in the week here. We record on Tuesday afternoon and. Uh, so, you know, there may be some news that comes out as, as we hear this, but you're right. Noah Fant returning to the field. That's just another weapon. And, and we said it, uh, after, you know, after the Broncos were able to come away with a win in new England, can you imagine Noah Fant and Albert Akbuegwanam on the same field at the same time, that dual tight end setup? that to me is something that, uh, that should have you very excited. If Noah Fant's ready to go and Albert O is ready to go. And, and you've got those two guys on the field at the same time or, or those two weapons available, I, I can only imagine that that's going to be something that's a positive for Drew Locke in the offense. On, on the defensive side, if, if A.J. Boye is back, with the way that uh, Bryce Callahan has been playing, and he's been playing very well, and, and like you said, Kareem Jackson is the missile kind of just flying around the field. And quite frankly, Justin Simmons is going to be coming off his best game of the season. And I talked a little bit about that in the post game. And I even did two game balls because nobody gave Simmons a game ball and he totally deserved it. There, there is a lot going on there with getting AJ Boye back. Now you're able to maybe start to see that defense even better because of the return of players. Now I'm not saying he's going to be back. Cause again, I don't know, but I feel like that's the way that this was trending. It was trending to them missing the new England game, but being back for this week, right? For this game against the chiefs. And I'm fine with that. The other thing that I think is is really important as a, a way for the Broncos to get a win here, and this isn't my key to the game, but it is something that I think will allow them the opportunity to get to my key to the game, is Shelby Harris, like you said, has to be disruptive in the front. But Shelby Harris does not have to sack the quarterback here. It would be nice if he did, but he needs to continue to be the guy that, that is able to knock down passes at the line of scrimmage. Not something that's easy to do with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is like uh, some of the other sort of gunslinger type quarterbacks when you talk about the ability to change arm angles and whatnot. He's very good at that. And so can Shelby Harris be disruptive enough to tip some passes? Because those kinds of things are going to help the Broncos win a game as well. The opportunity is there. I, I think that what we have to remember is as good as this Chiefs team is and as much as the Denver Broncos have struggled, the opportunity is there. The chance for a win is there. There are pieces in place that I think the Broncos can capitalize on, like a Shelby Harris being disruptive at the line of scrimmage, like a Justin Simmons having great games, like the return of a Noah Fant, like A.J. Boya coming back and making that. There's, there's pieces, right? They're kind of falling into place here. It's possibility. It's not It's not just written in stone that this is a game the Broncos will lose because there are so many things, there's so many factors that start to pop up that they could find themselves in a position to win as the game is winding down. I, who knows? It's definitely a possibility. 
And he didn't mention Michael Ojemudier. Sorry, I forgot. Had, he's he's played incredibly well over the course of his first five games in the National Football League. And I think he's only going to get better. And what will help him get better is hopefully the return of A.J. Boye. Because then you have your starting cornerbacks of Bryce Callahan and, o- and A.J. Boye. And then Ojemudier, Devontae Bosby, and St. Bassey have the ability to to fill in and cover those Mikel Hardmans, some of those other guys. And then you have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins as, as coverage for your higher-end cornerbacks who are more accustomed to that. And the way that Vic Fangio has designed his plans the last couple of weeks, I think he's up to the challenge, and we'll look at what Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots did in that game where they limited Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to 19 offensive points. He's had a couple of weeks now to not only look at what New England was going to do, but he's also had that time to look at the Kansas City Chiefs and really dive in to what Bill Belichick does defensively to slow down Andy Reid in that offense. Vic Fangio is just as good a defensive mind as Bill Belichick. So I'm I'm curious to see the plan that he and Ed Donatel put forth because if they're able to do or mimic what New England was able to do and they're able to play the way they did against Cam Newton and the Patriots, they absolutely have a chance to win this game, especially with A.J. Boye coming back. And a, one thing that can, can't be stated enough is how big of a motivating factor it is to go into New England and beat Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. We touched on this after the game. But the last time the Broncos went into New England and beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots was September of 2006. Drew Locke did something that Peyton Manning didn't, at least in his time in Denver. You do not complain about a win in New England. I don't care how bad New England is. I don't care how bad Cam Newton was. You never complain about a win in Foxborough against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And that can serve as a spark to this team to put it together against your division rival that you haven't beaten in five freaking years. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. And that last win was exciting, but, I mean – I would even say that that last win was was a little fluky as well. I mean, you you can't take wins off the board, but it wasn't like the Broncos blew the Chiefs out in that game either. It was it was by the skin of their teeth, uh, which is weird because teeth don't have skin. But that's that's the saying. I'm sorry, I, I don't get to make the rules here on that. It was like that whole season, though. It was just like yeah. it was just, that whole season was like that. I mean, yeah. that it, it, they even did it the first week prior to that against the Ravens. So. And even now my heart's racing faster just remembering all those games that season. Yeah. Well, but I want that again. Yeah, I think I, we're close. We, to go back to what we said on the post-game podcast, we can see a light. There's a light at the end of this really, really dark five-year tunnel. And not just <laughs> beating the Chiefs, just in general. It's there. It, it's there. I'm going to um, – I'm going to turn the light into a train headed towards you, though, just a little bit. It does look like the Broncos will be without Dalton Reisner. 
against the Chiefs. Uh, I, I, I'm not reporting that he's out. Uh, I'm just, you know, saying what I've seen on Twitter and and what some of the reports have been. It sounds like he might be out for the game. That would be a that would be another little bump in the road that would make this more difficult. Not because Dalton Reisner's had a great season. He hasn't. And I, I think that the truth about Dalton Reisner is the league has enough film on him. They've started to figure him out, and that's what happens in year two for a lot of guys. And then my guess is in year three, he will turn things around. But if he is missing against the Chiefs on Sunday, that's going to be something that the Broncos have to overcome. Just because offensive lines are, they're, they're like a, a choreographed dance and they need to be, uh, they need to be able to practice together and they need to move together and they need to understand each other. And missing out on having Dalton Reisner on the field well, his play hasn't been perfect because it has been far from perfect. He is a piece to that puzzle that when you take him out and you try and put another piece in, it changes the look of the puzzle, right? It messes with the fit. And so that is going to impact what the Broncos can do on offense. And so, I'm again, not to be the wet blanket here, and I'm, that's not really what the goal is, but just to sort of remind everybody that, while there is a light at the end of the tunnel, while we do, while, you know, and, and we're really good at talking ourselves into these things too. So there's no doubt that we, we see things that maybe uh, we build up a little bit just to, just to sort of rein it in a little. Things are not perfect for the Broncos headed into this game. There are still things that they have to overcome and losing Dalton Reisner would be one of those things if he misses this game. And it's the whole point that we're not, can trying to convince anybody listening to this that we're going to pick the Broncos to upset the Chiefs because neither of us are going to do that. But we see ways that the game can be closer. I don't think that the Chiefs are going to win by eight, nine, or ten points. I think it's going to be closer than that. That's what I hope, at least, because that's when you can start to see some progress. I think the Broncos are going to be able to keep this within a touchdown or less. Maybe that's my orange and blue goggles, perhaps. But I do see this being a closer game than eight, nine, or ten points. Yeah, I yeah, I kind of do as well. Um, I, I tell you what, why don't we jump into let, – let's just get into our keys to the game, right? Let's kind of start to talk about that because if if we're talking about scores and we're talking about where the game is going to be and like at, at, sort of at the end here, we, we definitely need to kind of start to understand uh, – how we got to where we got to, right? And uh, so so jumping into the keys to the game, and I've already you know sort of talked about this a little bit, for me it's turnovers. And you've said it for the last few weeks, and I'm going to steal it from you because why not? Stick with the cliche if it works. And they proved against the Patriots that winning the turnover battle is a way to uh, not necessarily guarantee a win, but it certainly makes it easier to win. When you can steal possessions, when you can flip field position, when you can take away the football, then you can control the clock. You can control the flow of the game. You have the opportunity to really control what happens on the field in a way that the team who is turning the ball over cannot. And so to me, especially in this game, I think that there are some games where it's more important than others. This is a game where it becomes extremely important. If the Broncos can force some turnovers, and it was awesome to see Ojemudie uh, you know, I sort of uh, compared him to Charles Tillman. It was like having our own little peanut out there, the way he was punching balls out. If he can continue to do that, 
And if again, if Shelby Harris can tip some passes, if Boye and, and Callahan can be out on the field, there there are turnovers there for the taking. I think that there will be opportunities. If they can win that turnover battle, it, it increases their chances of winning exponentially. Absolutely. it's You have to steal possessions, especially against an offense like Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs. You have to steal possessions. And when you get those possessions, I've already touched, touched on my key to the game, but I'll state it again, score touchdowns. You need to score touchdowns. You can't have six possessions and come away with no touchdowns because you'll lose at that point. You're not going to beat the Chiefs scoring 18 points. You're going to have to turn those two, three possessions, maybe get greedy and four, score touchdowns. You have to improve your success rate in the red zone. If you get into the red zone, get six. You can't come away with three points. As much as we all love Brandon McManus, I don't want to see Brandon McManus this Sunday. I want to see him kicking extra points, not field goals. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. And it, it, he is he is the Broncos offense right now, and that is a that is a problem. Uh, you know, and and the other thing that I think is fair to say, and we talked about this in the post game, and it's come out a lot more since, the opportunities were there against New England. The opportunities to score were there, and it was it was drops, right? It was it was issues with uh, receivers not making the play when it was necessary. So to me, there's there's a little bit of confidence there that you can have in Drew Locke that he is going to put the ball in the right place for the most part. There were a couple of bad throws towards the end that led to some interceptions, but you know, you know he is going to move the football. You know the Denver Broncos are going to have opportunities. Now it's just about capitalizing, and you're absolutely right. You have to capitalize on those opportunities because with a team like the Chiefs, if you can't capitalize on scoring touchdowns when the opportunity presents itself, you're going to find yourself in a huge hole and you're just going to be buried before you know it. And it won't matter what you're able to do uh, like in the fourth quarter because you'll be behind by so much. It'll just be garbage time, fantasy football points. That's all it'll be. I will say that I remember last year when the Broncos hosted the Chiefs. We talked ourselves into the Broncos beating the Chiefs. Yes, we did. We've learned from our mistake. So neither of us are going to predict a win. But I, I'm actually excited about this game and not because I think they're going to win, but because I'm excited to see what this team looks like because of what they looked like against the Patriots. And maybe that's deluding myself. Maybe that's just my fandom coming out. But I, I really am excited to see what this team can look like with another week, with Drew Locke having another week of practice to get ready. He's played his first game. You're going to hopefully get Noah Fant back. Albert Okwegbunam is going to be able to have another game under his belt. I hope that he's active. I think he he adds another dynamic element to this offense that you can't cover. To have both of those tight ends makes it that much tougher for defenses to cover because they're very similar. And I want both of them to be active, especially when you need to score touchdowns. You want two guys who can go up and get it. And my, my hope is that the receivers, you touched on the drops, that they are on the jugs machine this week because Albert Agwegbunam had two potential touchdowns. Jerry Judy had a potential touchdown. Deshaun Hamilton. Bad drop. So there's four drops yep. right there. Yep. I'm curious to see 
just get onto the practice field, get the timing down, work with them, get in front of the jugs, because that can help, especially now that Drew Locke is back. You know, I, I wanted to ask you a question about this. I want I want your opinion on it, and I have I have my own. I remember, and and maybe this is something that uh, is just because I'm old. Uh, I remember when Steve Young took over for Joe Montana in San Francisco, and I remember that Jerry Rice insisted on the person who was throwing him the football from that point forward be left-handed because Steve Young was left-handed, and he wanted the ball to look like the ball that was coming out of Steve Young's hands. And I just wonder, and I know that we don't have that issue of a lefty-righty situation here, but I just wonder if the preparation, the amount of time to prepare for this with, with Drew Locke on the field, was his is his ball that much different than the ball that you get from, and I know, you're a professional football player. You're a wide receiver in the NFL or a tight end in the NFL catch the ball. But is it different enough from a Brett Rippon or a Jeff Driscoll from Drew Locke that that maybe caused some issues that will fix themselves just by having another week of practice where Drew Locke is the guy throwing the football to them over and over and over again instead of Brett Rippon or uh, or Jeff Driscoll or Blake Bortles, who is on the practice squad. Good for him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I, for what reason is there animosity towards Blake Bortles? None other than he's Blake Bortles, I suppose. But I, I does that feel like maybe that's going to be an issue as well or that that will help that issue? Just another week of practice catching balls that were thrown by Drew Locke? I think the fact that it's been consistent regardless of who the quarterback is, I think it's a receiver issue, not a quarterback issue, because the Broncos have the worst drop rate in the NFL. Andrew Mason had the tweet on Monday. It's horrible. It's so I mean, bad. I, I mean, you, you can't understate it. I mean, I'll bring the tweet up because I quote tweeted it with the gif of the girl dropping the ball. I mean, isn't it's like 14 14- – is it is it fourteen percent or something like that? Or it, the insane. league average is a drop every fourteen point four five catchable passes. The Broncos is one every eight point three one catchable passes. So that's not a quarterback issue. That's a receiver issue. Yeah. So that's not one you want to be the best in the league at, right? Like you want <laughs> that's the that's the wrong time to have the low number, right? You want to have the high number there. You want to be one every like 20 passes, I guess, or something. I, yeah, um, I get where you're coming from on that and totally makes sense. I just thought it was an interesting sort of, is there an issue there? I guess that's your answer. So, so I appreciate that. All right, uh, let's jump into players to watch. Who, who are we watching? Uh, let's go defense first. I'm going to go with, A.J. Johnson and Josie Jewell because it's an issue that is going to be an issue until it's not, and that's being able to cover Travis Kelsey. Who is going to step up and limit that white goober from going off on this defense? And I have no problems calling Kelsey a goober because he is. He's a a goober. I don't like him. (laughs) It's a goober. I, I agree. He has a punchable face punchable and a punchable face. name. I agree. Yeah, totally punchable. Guy's punchable. I wouldn't punch him. He'd probably beat me up. That's not the point. No, I. it is something that is we, – we talk about it every week, it feels like. Who's going to stop the tight end? When will the Broncos be able to stop a tight end? 
since time memoriam, right? We've, we've never experienced a time when the Broncos could cover a tight end. Now would be a great time to start. I would love to see it. I, I agree. That's an excellent one. Uh, I'm actually going to go up front. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right into Shelby Harris there. Uh, I want to see if he can duplicate his performance against a you know six five Cam Newton and block some block some balls at the uh, at the line of scrimmage on Patrick Mahomes. Can he disrupt in that way? I, I don't expect him to sack the quarterback. I don't. You know, I I know that some people say, well, he has to he has to knock down passes because he can't get to the quarterback. Fine. Okay. That's just as good as a sack. That's great. It's still, it's still, you know, the ball doesn't move forward, and it's still, a, a, you know, a new down. Like, okay. The, the only downside to it is the clock stops. That's yeah. the only thing that's different between that and a sack. And and it, sometimes it's good that the the clock stops. So you know, I, I really, I, I don't understand that complaint other than it's nice to get sacks. But against the Kansas City Chiefs, what have we seen in the past? The thing that pops into my head at all times is Patrick Mahomes being sacked by Von Miller, but still getting the ball away with his left hand. You almost don't want to sack Patrick Mahomes or have the opportunity because he's just going to scamper away. Instead, knock the ball down. I I almost think that that's better. I think I may have just talked myself into knocking balls down being more effective than almost sacking Patrick Mahomes because that's what it feels like happens is you just almost sack him. What do you think about this? Instead of having your edge rushers get upfield where that allows Patrick Mahomes to step up one way or another, just have Bradley Chubb, Malik Reed, and who's ever on the defensive line hold containment and let the pressure come from up the middle or through blitzing. That way he can't get outside the pocket. Yeah, I, because I, when you look at what Patrick Mahomes does, some of the things that he does are the most irritatingly John Elway esque, is keeping the play alive, and being able to. I mean, there is a play yesterday against Buffalo where he was trying to go for the first down. He came up to the line of scrimmage, crossed it, backed up, and then went forward again. Instead of pressuring up the field where you break containment and you go beyond Patrick Mahomes. If I'm Vic Fangio and John Pagano, who's the new linebackers coach, and Ed Donatel, I'm telling Malik Reed, Bradley Chubb, and who's ever on the edges, do not go beyond Patrick Mahomes. You get to him and you stop and let the pressure come from interior so he can't get out and about. And if you see him come at you, then you go after him. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of think that that might work. Uh, it's It's hard to ask a guy like uh, Bradley Chubb or, or Malik Reed or, you know, or if it was Von Miller to, to not do what is their natural instinct. Uh, and that is to do anything and everything they can to get around the edge and, and get to the quarterback. But I can see the effectiveness of force Patrick Mahomes to be the guy in the pocket. The other, the other play that I think about is, and I can't remember who they were, but it was a couple weeks ago and they're, they're in the red zone. They're on like the 11 yard line and Patrick Mahomes runs all the way to the sideline just just sort of scampering behind the line of scrimmage, waiting for Watkins to come across the end zone, and he just hits him with a perfect pass. It's yeah. one of those it's it is it is maddening. It is infuriating. It makes you want to pull your hair out as a defense to know that this is the type of thing that he can do. But if he never gets outside, he can't do those things. So I actually think that you 
are on to something. I would be curious to know, because you talk about Bill Belichick a lot with, with how he is able to contain Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Is that what he does? I, I, and I don't go back and watch the film, but I'd be curious to know, is that sort of the goal for Bill Belichick and the defense of the Patriots to just contain, right? Just, just keep him inside the little pocket here. And then that will limit his effectiveness. I think that's a really, uh, a really good way to, to, to look at that because yeah, why not? You know, keep him, keep him home. Don't let him, don't let him scamper. Don't let him run. Don't let him get going crazy. Keep him at home. Make him beat you from the pocket. You might just be asking for, you just, you're picking your poison, I guess. It's maybe, maybe what happens, but maybe a better shot. I don't know. That's a, that's a good point. Look at me all one, flustered here. And one way, another way that can help is Andy Reid loves screens. That can help with screens too, because then you don't have guys who are getting upfield and out of position who can then be burned by a Tyree Kill, Edwards Alaire screen that is like, Kyle Shanahan with Jimmy Garoppolo where he throws the ball negative 2.4 yards forward and still gets like 80 yards to his total. So that can help on that front too. So I, I get, I, it's easier said than done because as you said, it goes against everything that defensive players are told to do, but I'd be curious to see if that is what Bill Belichick does. If he's, if he's able to have those guys hold their water and not get beyond a certain point. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's what Vic Fangio tries to do as well. I assume that their football minds are better than ours anyway, so they probably oh, yeah. also know that. Uh, so so perhaps they would uh, make a decision like that as well. Uh, offensively, you got a player to watch? I'll give, I'll give it to you. Receivers and tight ends. Your your niece might not like this, but catch the damn ball. <laughs> that's, what you're to- that's what you're paid to do. Catch the effing ball. That's the one she wouldn't like. Is, the, is that one? I think you're right. I, I, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Drew Locke. I'll just take the the low hanging fruit here because it is Drew Locke, and and this will be his second game back from injury uh, against a team that. Uh, let's face it, the Denver Broncos need to beat the Chiefs at some point. And like like we said, this might not be that point. But I would really like to see this game be a game where it looks like they have the opportunity. And Drew Locke is going to be a big key to that. If Drew Locke looks like a quarterback that can compete with this Kansas City Chiefs team, then that gives you confidence for the future that Drew Locke can be the guy who leads this franchise moving forward. And he's, he's look, he's interviewing right now for his job, right? This is his application. And uh, this is a big moment in that. And I'm not saying he has to win this game. I'm not saying he has to win any games, but he has to look like he can win games or else it's going to be a really difficult time in Broncos country moving forward. This would be an excellent game for him to look like uh, a stud. And I'd be very happy to see that. And so I'm, I'm going to be watching to see if he can step up to the challenge of playing the AFC West champs, the Super Bowl defending Kansas city chiefs at home in a game that they kind of need to win, but, but probably won't, but, maybe he can make something happen. You know, there's a lot there. And so I'm going to be watching Drew Locke to see what his actions are on the field and if he's keeping them in the game in some way. So I guess that leads us to our predictions for the game. Do we want to do any bold? I don't have any bold predictions. This is not one of those bold prediction games where you can get crazy. So let's just just go with some score predictions. You got one for me? 27-24 Chiefs. Ooh. 
Oh, that's that's very close. You think the Broncos will get over 20 points? I do. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'm not coming with you on that. No offense. I, I can't do it. I, they have to prove that they can do it against a team that isn't the Jets before I will predict that they can do it against the team that isn't the Jets. And so I'm going to go 21-17. I think the defense is able to hold their own in this. I just think the offense is still not quite there. And so 21-17 Broncos is – or Chiefs, excuse me. Oh, wishful thinking. Wishful Freudian thinking. slip. I know. Maybe I – hey, who knows, Which right? Which means they're going to win now because it is 2020. God, anything could happen, right? Anything could happen. So – yeah, no, 21-17 Chiefs is, is my prediction, although maybe I'm uh, – hey, maybe I reversed it and I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our uh, look at the AFC West, whip around the league, and then we'll say adios. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, Are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, so Ian, we're back. Uh, let's go ahead and take a, a little look here at what is going on in the AFC West. Obviously, Chiefs and Broncos, that covers uh, one game. And then uh, the other two games that the AFC West has is the Jaguars at the Chargers in Los Angeles. Uh, so that'll be a game between two teams that nobody cares about. Uh, Justin Herbert is is an interesting player to watch, I guess, there, if you're, if you're interested. And then the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night. Um, the Buccaneers coming off a, a big win against the Green Bay Packers. Can they carry that into Pirate Fest and and grab a win in Las Vegas? Yes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they definitely can. I, th- I think that that's a team that I think is going to just get better with time, as Tom Brady becomes more and more comfortable with that offense and what they want to do. And I, I think the, the Raiders are in for a, a little bit of pain on Sunday night. That's my prediction there. Well, I, the main reason that Bruce Arians and Tom Brady will have that luxury is because of the defense that Todd Bowles has. I I mean, with what they just did to Aaron Rodgers, now they're going to face a quarterback who's not anywhere on Aaron Rodgers' level except for mascara wearing maybe. Oh yeah, he's he's the the king of the mascara wearing. I mean, there is that. You know, it's it's interesting. Just you you bring up Todd Bowles, 
And he's one of those coaches, I think, and, and you see this a lot in the NFL. I think Vic Fangio was this type of coach for a long time, and he might still be. I know that there are some people out there who uh, are, are not a fan of his style as a head coach, but there are some guys. Uh, Wade Phillips is another guy who pops into my mind. There are some guys who are just really, really good at being a coordinator. Like, that's that's your ceiling, right? And for whatever reason, I think – you know, if you're going to coach the Jets, that you're already in a, in a world of hurt there. So I guess that that's maybe something we should take into consideration with Todd Bowles. But he Todd, did a lot better than Adam Gase. I, he, of course, he did. I I just think Todd Bowles is is one of those coordinators that is uh, he's he's really really good at his job. And and if if your ceiling, if my ceiling was greatest defensive coordinator in the NFL. I'd be okay with that. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. So, you know, know yourself, right? Know thyself is a, is a a fun little Socrates saying there, but quite frankly, what Todd Bowles is doing with that defense, you, you mentioned it. I I mean, that's going to be a really tough out when they get to the playoffs because that's a good team. And as for the Jaguars and the chargers, if Justin Herbert and the chargers can't beat Jacksonville, yeah, can we stop talking about Justin Herbert for a while? <laughs> if they can't beat the Jaguars, Gardner Minshew. Is Gardner Minshew any good? I, I keep I keep trying to figure this out. Is he real is he any good? Or is it just because he's got a funky porn stash and uh kind of a cool story? I, you know what I'm saying? Like to me it just feels like the story and the look all go together, but he's really not that good a quarterback. Sounds like Baker Mayfield. Oh. There you go, but like a poor man's Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and not not as many commercials. Very few commercials. Probably a bunch in the uh, Jacksonville area for some pawn shops or uh, used car dealerships, that kind of thing. But but no major like national commercials. I think the thing with Gardner Minshew is you you touched on it. It's the story, and, and it's like Broncos fans with crappy quarterbacks. They love the story. They love the underdog story. There's still people out there who are like, I think Brett Rippin's better than Drew Locker. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. It's the story. Oh, I do miss Bradley Van Pelt. Oh. Zach Bradley, Van, Bradley Van Pelt. I was at a party with Bradley Van Pelt once. I'm not going to tell that story here, but I was at a party with Bradley Van Pelt once. I mean, that was my era, right? That was our era. He's He's about... Our age, our a little, little bit younger than us, maybe. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. Uh, I mean, he was just up in Fort Collins. We used to go there all the time. Definitely made the Rocky Mountain Showdown fun. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. So there's that. All right, so other games around the league. I think the one that obviously stands out the most is the Steelers and Titans. That's two undefeated teams. That's going to be a big game. Uh, that has playoff implications. So that will be one that I think, I think everybody will have their eyes on that game. Um the one for me is the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not sure with what happened on Monday if it's how good Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are or just how big of a crap fest Dallas is right now. Because, my God, are the Cowboys horrible. So bad. So bad. Although I, I do think I have to say, and, and uh, there, are, there are some listeners out there who may – who may jump on this a little bit. I, I I think I made mention of, of how good Kyler Murray was going to be playing for the A's. Uh, sorry. He's really good. <laughs> he's, he's a really good quarterback. I'm going to give him credit. I'm going to give it to him right now. Dude can ball. He's a good quarterback. 
Uh, I apologize for saying he was going to be a really good second baseman in in Major League Baseball. I still think he could be. Uh, but I think he's found his calling here in the NFL. And so, uh, yeah, sorry there. Boomer sooner, I guess. Right. Ugh. The other game that's very interesting. And I, I told you this during the break, but for some reason, the, the books have the Patriots as the favorite against the 49ers. That I don't understand at all, it's, especially with what the 49ers just did to a better Rams team. Yeah, it's got to be it has to be is it a home situation where San Francisco's traveling across the country and so the you know they they're flying all the way across the continent and there it's the night before. I mean it's there's got to be some factors in there that play into that cuz that is a surprise. I, I mean the 49ers are not as good as they were last year, but they're still pretty darn good. And the Patriots I don't want to take anything away from what the Broncos did to the Patriots cuz we're all very excited that they beat the Patriots. But the Patriots are not the Patriots that are always going. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's been a shift, a small shift, but a shift. That one is surprising. I would be curious to know what some of the other factors are that are beyond football that might make that be the way that, you know, the way the bookies are putting it right now. Because I don't really understand any of that stuff anyway. The other game that's interesting is the Bears and the Rams. The Bears have been somewhat surprising. They're up at the top of the NFC North with the Packers. And they, I mean, they're what, five and one, I think. Yeah. Who have they beat? Like who, who have they really beat? Who have they played that makes you go, Ooh, that's a big win. Nobody. I I cannot think of a win that makes me go, wow, the bears are really good. Sorry. I know I'm going to get killed by my bears fans, friends, but they haven't beat anybody. And their, their game against the Rams is, a, a good test to see if they are for real or not, especially yeah. with the Rams coming off a loss to the 49ers. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Rams can uh, can ram through a win there. Oh, that was a bad one. I really that one was forced. I really I really tried to ram that home, and I probably shouldn't have. Well, it, is this finally the time the Broncos can ram home a win against the Chiefs? It's been 84 years. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.